We're going to get David to come and read for us now. Um, we're going to uh, just look at a passage in 1 Kings chapter 19, just along that whole theme of listening. And this is the kind of well-known passage where Elijah, the prophet of God, um, after a, a, a spectacular confrontation with the, the false prophets of Baal who are authorized by the King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, and, and where God uh, demonstrates His power uh, in a spectacular triumph um, of, and vindication of His name. But this is what happens next, just after that, somewhat surprisingly, I suppose. 1 Kings chapter 19, reading from the beginning. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths 
have not kissed him. Amen, and may God add his blessing to this reading of his own holy word. Thanks, David. There are all sorts of ways then, as we heard in in Pete Gregg's talk, that we uh, may hear God speak, and and maybe you already know, and maybe you've just shared some of your own stories of, of hearing God speak. Maybe that's not something that you're familiar with, and, and the concept um, seems strange. But as Pete was saying in that clip, you know, God, God is speaking all the time. And we'll come back to the story of Elijah in just uh, a little moment. But uh, there are, you know, when you, when you round them up in the Bible, all the ways in which God is recorded there as, as speaking, it's quite a sizable list. Let me just give you a few uh, brief scriptures and, and see if you can um, think about what ways in which God speaks through, uh, in, in, through these different scriptures. So in Psalm 19 verse 1, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. So for some people, their, their journey of learning to listen to God is, is just that moment when you are in awe of creation. You know, one of those incredible nights that you don't get so much in the city when if you can find a place that is pitch black and the skies are clear and you allow your eyes to focus and suddenly you realize that just this, there are just millions of stars and you realize that you're lying on a marble floating in amongst this vast universe and it can be an awesome experience or just the beauty or the diversity of creation. You know, sometimes nature programs and you see the beauty of some deep sea creatures and you think, wow, that's just incredible. And so the the beauty, the diversity, sometimes the scale of what God has made and and the, the way it all works together and is integrated makes us stop and think, wow, this, this happened by accident? <laughs> I once did a children's address, and maybe I told you that, it doesn't matter. I did a children's address in a school in my last place, and I, I, took, a, I took a bag of Lego. Um, you can use this one, David. All right. Um, I took a bag of Lego, and I showed the kids in the primary school the bag of Lego, and, and I said, what have I got in there? Yep, bag of Lego, absolutely. Uh, bricks and blocks and, and a base plate and all the rest of it. And then I kind of scrunched the top of the bag and I started shaking it. And so I shook it for a few moments and I said, uh, all right, I'm trying to make a house. And so I stopped after a few moments and said, have we got a house yet? No, of course you have got a house. So I carried on shaking. I said, how long do you think it's going to take me to get a house? And they were like, idiot. You're never going to get a house doing it that way. I'm like, well, yeah. Some people think that the universe came into being just by accident. You know, almost like shaking a bag of Lego and a house pops out. So sometimes it's just the intricacy of what God has made that points us and we hear his voice. We've just heard him. We'll go back to the story of Elijah. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And some of you may have just heard the still small voice of God. Just that gentle whisper of God Maybe not even audibly, but in your heart, just with a quiet certainty that you know it's Him. Sometimes it's just a sense that this is the right thing to do. Intuition. 
In Isaiah, we read, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I don't think he's talking there about an audible voice so much as a sense that at every turn and junction, you have a sense, this is the way to go. But then Scripture does describe, and some people have heard, I don't think I've ever heard an audible voice, but Samuel, we heard that story there of where the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, thinking he heard an audible voice and that it was the voice of Eli. God speaks, of course, through angels. In Luke chapter 1, most famously, arguably, the the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Speaking to Zechariah there, but also, of course, to Mary. God speaks to us through our conscience. In Romans chapter 2, they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. We were saying at our table chat, of course, it's important to keep a, a tender conscience because you can carry on so far down a particular road that you harden your heart and sear your conscience and make it so that your conscience becomes just used to going the other way, to not paying any attention. Of course, God speaks through His Word. Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path, as we read in Psalm 119. And and Pete was talking there, and I imagine that for many of us here, the way in which we hear God speak most consistently and maybe most clearly is through His Word, where just a word from Scripture catches our uh, attention, our imagination, and it won't let us go. It like hooks itself into us, and you find yourself chewing over that bit again and seeing what it has to say to your life, your situation, or your circumstances. God can speak through art, not just through creation. He has equipped and and made people talented craftsmen. In in Exodus chapter 30, aside from the the ornate descriptions of the tabernacle and its furnishings and the priest's garments, all of those imagery, of the, the imagery saying something, make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. He speaks through dreams as he did to Paul, who had a vision of a man of Macedonia in Acts, begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And some people have incredibly fertile dream lives. Uh, And sometimes, you know, your your dreams are just a load of nonsense, right? Sometimes. But sometimes you have a dream where something really singular and important happens. And and you wake up and you can really remember it. Now, that's not the be-all and end-all just because you had a dream that you really remember. But maybe it speaks into a situation. And maybe it has the hand of God on it in some way that you recognize. He speaks through visions. Peter had a vision. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. He speaks through prophetic words. After we'd been there a number of days in Acts 21, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and God has anointed and appointed people to proclaim and to speak 
not just to preach, not just to proclaim His Word, but to speak a word into a situation, to speak a word in season to a people or a church or a nation or an individual. He speaks through the godly counsel of others. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head. We, he speaks when the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit. He speaks through natural events. He speaks through our circumstances. In Acts 16, there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And as Pete said, he spoke once through a talking donkey. <laughs> but sometimes we're the ones who need to put ourselves in the place where God can speak to us. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but let's spend just a little bit of time with Elijah. Because the story of Elijah is the story of a guy who was burnt out. He was a guy who was plowing in some respects a lone furrow in an increasingly godless nation of Israel where the king and the queen were taking the people off in a pagan direction, encouraging the cult of Baal worship and all sorts of other stuff. I suppose in the same way that the, the, the powers that be, the, the spirit of the age, the mood of our nation, is, is away from the things of God, the things of Jesus Christ. There was a, there was a time when, when every BBC news channel would, would broadcast uh, services and thoughts for the day and, and daily prayers and so on, and, and, and Christian faith would be absolutely interwoven with the media and with the, 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 the voice of the nation in many ways. Of course, it's the other way now, where increasingly the Christian gospel and the Christian church is, is mocked and marginalized or, or ridiculed in some way. And so it's not a dissimilar situation because Elijah found himself in a minority and he had just come from this spectacular confrontation where God had poured fire down on the offering that he, Elijah, was offering and that the offerings of the prophets of Baal just were a sodden heap that didn't catch fire. In fact, it was Elijah's that was the, the sodden sacrifice because to prove a point, he poured water over it and God still burned it up. And on the back of that, he put to death the prophets of Baal, different time, a different age, but eliminating from Israel this offense. Pete, in his little video clip there, talked about slowing down. And for Elijah to be able to hear, as he was about to hear quite importantly and significantly the voice of God, he needed to slow down. He needed to find a place and a space and a time away from the drama. And surprisingly, Elijah, we're told that Elijah was afraid of the threat that Queen Jezebel issued on his life, and he ran for his life. And then he came 
to Beersheba and left his servant there. And so the first thing we notice about this little journey we're going to follow Elijah on was that he needed some time on his own. There wasn't even a servant there. And you know, for us to be able to hear God, yes, in the midst of a busy city, it's hard to get peace as, as Clanadonia are spectacularly demonstrating for us again. It can be hard to find peace, and it can be hard to find alone time. But Elijah needed alone time. And he was in a place of exhaustion. And so having uh, left his servant there, he went off on a day's journey into the wilderness. And so he takes himself out of the places of people and population in the same way that Jesus took himself up on a mountainside to pray. Now, please don't mishear me. I've just given you a, a whole list of ways in which in the ordinary mix of things God speaks, some more spectacular than others, visions, prophetic words, or whatever. But let's just consider that there are also times where we need to put in a little bit of time, space, and maybe more effort to hear what God is saying. And so he went into this wilderness, and he came to this broom tree and sat down under it and prayed on the back of his victory, on the back of seeing God do amazing things at a time when you'd expect him to be on a high, he prayed that he might die. This is a sign of somebody who's exhausted, overwhelmed, maybe a little defeated, certainly a little depressed. So do not imagine that the heroes of the Bible or the heroes of faith were permanently on a high. Elijah needed reset time. And, and you and I need reset time. And here's somebody who's in a place that we probably all recognize, a time when he just felt overwhelmed and he needed to retreat to the place where he could hear God. And here's his prayer, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And despite, despite his uh, courage, despite his determination to stand up for God, despite his determination to pursue the faith of God's people over against the king and the queen and everybody else, he just felt broken. He felt depressed. He felt defeated. Have you ever felt like that? I felt like that, where you just get so overwhelmed and logically it makes no sense. But nonetheless, you're just in a place that you can't get out of easily. Elijah was in such a place, great man of God, and he was in a place of sadness, of exhaustion and depression. And he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. So two things. Elijah was honest before God in his prayer. He didn't make up some fine-sounding set of words. He didn't just pray what he thought God would like to hear. He told God exactly who he was and where he was. And, and the, 
the honesty of how he felt. You know, I think sometimes our closest encounters with God come when we're truly honest with him. When we're truly honest about exactly where we are or are not. And on the back of that, something happened that was just part of God speaking to him. (laughs) He fell asleep. (laughs) He fell asleep. Psalm 121, sorry, 127 says, The Lord grants sleep to those he loves. And you know, sometimes we just actually need time out. In order to hear the voice of God, we actually need to be able to slow down. And so Elijah was beginning in his troubled, broken place, this process where in his mind he just was escaping from everything and falling asleep. And that was the best thing that he could do. And he received after a little while, and we don't know how long. It says all at once. That just means suddenly an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And so there's this beautiful moment. I wonder what Elijah's experience of that was. Did he know it was an angel? Was it like 12 foot tall with wings and white and shimmering? Or was it just a random nomad wandering through the desert? He prepared a little meal beside this sleeping guy who was asleep under a broom bush. And he just nudged him awake and said, here, my friend, you need to eat something. You know, God can send angels in all sorts of ways. And I've never seen one of the 12 foot ones. But I'm certain that there have been times where God has ministered to me. And it may have been an angel or it was maybe just a person. And maybe there are times when you are like that angel to somebody else. And so he did the next important thing that he needed to do, which was to eat from the bread baked over hot coals and to drink from the jar of water. And then he lay down and fell asleep again. And then the same thing happened again because the Lord knew his need. And the Lord wanted to meet with Elijah and there was something important that was going to happen But Elijah needed to get to the place where doing all this stuff for God, he could let God do something for him. And it was very ordinary, and it was very practical. It was time out. It was sleep. It was food. It was water. It was rest. And the angel said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much. And then he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Now, I have some questions about this journey. Did he set out to go to Horeb, or did he just find himself there? This was a significant journey. You know, you have to kind of sometimes translate things in the Bible. 40 days, there's that number again, 40. 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness Jesus' temptation then was an Elijah moment. But 40 years, the people of Israel spent wandering in the wilderness. And what was that wilderness journey about? It was the move from the end of something, slavery in Egypt, a time when he cried out to God and wanted to die because their lives were so difficult. And at the end of 40 years, they came into a place of new promise and fresh beginning. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but Elijah spent 40 days in the wilderness, (laughs) a journey where God was moving him from a past that was now behind him 
to a new promise and a new beginning. But you see, he couldn't see that. And when you're in a wilderness place, you can't see that either. All you know is there's nothing much to see. And so he spent 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Do you know what Horeb is, Mount Horeb? It's another name for Mount Sinai. You see, this is a Moses moment, this whole thing. He reached Mount Horeb, otherwise known. Deuteronomy uses Horeb. Exodus uses Sinai. It's the same mountain. And so Elijah came back to the place, right back to the place where Moses, his illustrious predecessor, had met God. And you know, sometimes for us to hear God again, we maybe need to go back in some respects. Now, you can't go back. (laughs) You can't go back. But sometimes maybe you need to find a way of going back to a time and a space where you heard God before, where God spoke before. And I don't know what that might mean for you. But when he got to the mountain of God, he went into a cave and spent the night, and God's voice came to him, and he heard God. Now, bear in mind, this is approximately one month and ten days after his initial prayer, where he prayed and asked God, take away my life, let me die. You know, we've learned to be an instant culture, right? We can text, we can message, we can travel, we can have whatever we want. We can transfer information, we communicate with people on the other side of the world. We want things, and we want them now. I'm just as much a, a, a product or a victim or a member of that mindset in society as you. Jesus walked everywhere. And so 40 days and 40 nights was time to slow down and maybe time for his heart to be softened. A lot of changes can shift in your heart in 40 days. You know, sometimes we need to give God the time and the space and listen to what he has to say. And so he came, and God spoke to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? On Mount Sinai, the mountain where God gave the law to Moses, a mountain of enormous significance, And so Elijah pours his heart out. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And so he's getting real with God. And what's his reality? His reality is that I'm doing this for you, God, and I don't see where it's going. I don't see what you're doing. The Israelites have rejected you. I've tried my best to put your prophets to death. I'm the only one left. I'm here doing this on my own. And sometimes self-pity can creep 
into our place with God because we imagine that we're somehow battling this thing on our own. And God said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. It's a Moses moment. God once before had passed by Moses, put him in the cleft of a rock, and put his hand over him so that Moses would not die by seeing the face of the Lord. And here, Elijah is in a cave in the same mountain. And how do we know it's a Moses moment? There was a powerful winds, and then an earthquake, and then a fire, and we're told three times that the Lord was not in any of these spectacular moments. But then came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Now, for years I've been reading that, and in my head I've had him do a kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi thing where he just pulls his hood over his head. But that's not what he does at all. It says he pulls his cloak over his face. He blinds himself. Why? Because with Moses, he dare not look upon the face of God. Because he is so now aware of the power and the presence of God in this place of places, this place of encounter that he dare not look. And the voice comes to him this time through the whisper. And we don't know how the voice came to him before. Was it just a sense, an impression? And this time, I suspect, without the same note of defiance, anger, or self-pity, he repeats his words. And perhaps this time, the raw pain and the brokenness and the weariness of it all the sense of everything I've done has come to nothing. Everything I've tried has been fruitless. I've been as faithful as I know how. I've done my best for you. And, and, and where has it got me? I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And so the Lord speaks. As the Lord spoke to Moses. And when the Lord spoke to Moses, he gave him his word. For the next season. And as the Lord spoke to Elijah, he gave Elijah his word for the next season. And he freed Elijah up from this burden of responsibility that he'd been carrying. And he said, Go and anoint Yehu, go and anoint, uh, go and anoint Hazael, go and anoint Yehu, go and anoint Elisha. And they're the ones I've got lined up next. And he concludes saying, I reserve 7,000 in Israel. So if your world seems awfully pressured, and it seems that God isn't speaking and isn't helping, and it's just stressful, well, maybe you too need to take time as Elijah did. Now, his experience was unique, and it was a seismic moment in the next period of Israel, It was a big thing. 
not suggesting you need to go on a 40-day retreat to a mountain, although if that works for you, then God says to do it, you should definitely consider that. The point is that Elijah needed to put himself back in the place where he could hear God again. Step outside the stress and the pressure and put himself in the place where God could minister to him, direct his feet to a place of encounter, and give him a fresh revelation of himself. You see, God wants to speak to all of us. It's just that we're not always very good at putting ourselves in the place or giving God the time, and I'll put my hand up to that one, to let him speak to us. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our failure to listen in our busy worlds. Forgive us for our unbelief in imagining that you would or could speak to us. Forgive our places and times of self-pity when it seems like we're the only one. Forgive us, Lord, but come and speak to us anew, we pray. Come and minister anew to our heads and our hearts and help us to choose ways in which we can slow down, allow our hearts to be softened, and perhaps suspend our expectations of how or in what way you might speak. Lord, speak that we may be a people who walk in peace because we hear and know your voice. Lord, speak that we may speak a word in season to others around us. Speak that we may live boldly and courageously as your people in this society. Speak and help us to hear and know that for all that our society now walks in a different direction, you have reserved people who you will yet call to faith in Jesus Christ and to the kingdom. And so, Lord, we thank you for these words and this reminder that you are a God who speaks. May we have listening ears and hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're just going to...